everyone, this is Maribel Blue, and this is a recorded version of Maribel Blue Unfiltered. Um, I have a special guest that I needed to get on the show to discuss all different facets of women in the workplace, social media topics, empowerment. His name is Scott Schmarin, and I pronounced the last name right. So for the first part of the show, you will hear this recorded interview, and then later on I will go live. But I had to get him on the show because we have been talking so much about relationships and empowerment, recognizing the good signs of relationships, recognizing the bad signs of relationships. Um, So welcome, Scott, to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So let's get started with a little bit of your background, because, of course, I have your credentials and I have your bios and things of that nature, but not everybody may know who exactly you are and what have you done as far as empowering people. You co-wrote a book, Stepping Stones to Success, with Jack Canfield and Deepak Chopra and Dr. Dennis Waitley. Did this all come after your own surge of empowerment? Like, let's start from the beginning with you. Okay. Um, so I started down this path a long time ago. I spent most of my life as a child, all the way up through most of my adulthood so far, it, I was morbidly obese. Um, mm-hmm. And I spent a lot of my life uh, gaining weight, losing weight, being sad, depressed, angry, frustrated. And during this journey, um, as an adult, I had just put on over 100 pounds. Mm-hmm. I was at my peak. I weighed 360 pounds. Now I'm five foot six. Sometimes I exaggerate a little bit and say I'm five foot seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a 56-inch waist, so I was almost as big around as I was tall. And I was at my wit's end. I really didn't know what else I could do. I, I, you know, pick a diet from healthy to bizarre. I've probably been on. I've tried everything I could possibly think of, and I felt hopeless. And in that moment of hopelessness, um, I took an overdose of, I took an entire bottle of sleeping pills and painkillers, both of them. And I had a very, very surreal moment. I remember taking the pills, and I had instantly two feelings. I felt relieved that my life was going to end, and I also felt terrified. I go, oh, my God, what's going to happen now? And I remember sitting down in a chair. It was a chair I used to do everything in. It was like my security blanket. I watched TV in that Mm -hmm. chair or ate in that chair. And at some point, I passed out. And I don't know how long I was there. I really took enough medication probably to kill an elephant, but I didn't die. In fact, not only did I didn't die, I did go to a hospital. The next morning, I remember opening my eyes. And as I opened my eyes, I saw the light shining through my window. And it was a very, very surreal moment. The light was very bright and very white. And I can't even describe it to you in words, but I almost thought I was dead. It was like I was in a sense of peace. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I got clarity and focused. And in that moment, I realized that I was responsible for my life. 
You know, my entire life in the past, I had always blamed everybody for everything that went wrong with me and people not accepting me and whatever excuse I had in justifying why I was heavy. And then what I did is I got out of that chair and I made a decision that I wanted to find out why there were two people inside of me. The one person that wanted to change and to lose weight and be happy and successful and enjoy life. But there was another person inside of me. That person, every time I moved in that direction, just seemed to pull me right back like I had a rope tied around me. Mm -hmm. So I started exploring how my mind worked. I read a lot of books. And I really learned that it really wasn't our conscious mind that made the changes we wanted to make in our life. It was our subconscious mind. And as I began to study it, I studied different modalities from hypnosis to neurolinguistic programming to different forms of creative visualization and guided imagery and meditation. And I noticed commonalities in some of these things, and I started adapting them and changing them, and I started experimenting on myself. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, here I am today, many years later, I have kept off more than 180 pounds now for a very long time. But That's more fantastic. so than that, not only did I lose that weight, I transformed every area of my life. I'm a totally different person. You know, I went from having a 56-inch waist and being barely being able to get up one flight of stairs without having a heart attack and being out of breath mm-hmm. to being in really good physical shape. I have a 30-inch waist. I am strong. I am lean. I feel really good. I don't even look my age. I don't, I don't think anymore. And... Um, and then it sent me down the path is, okay, my mission in life is now to start helping other people. And so here I am with you today. I love this story. I really, really do. I have been clean and sober now. Next month on the 16th will be 29 years. And wow. I remember when, and that's, and of course, I don't tell my age to anyone I always lie about it because I really don't want anybody to know my age. But um, with all that being said, I went through different facets of my life. You know, I was thin. I gained weight. Um, I was a caregiver to someone who was dying. And, and I was there, you know, to the very end. And then I lost weight again. And then you know, I gained weight and a lot of it had to do with me being depressed, me not being happy. But the thing is that when I first started making meetings, it was stories like yourself. I mean, you're not talking about, you're not an addict or anything like that. Thank goodness. But the idea is, is that anybody who came to a point where they were down, they found a way to rise up. From that, There's always this moment. You have that moment when you woke up the next day after taking all of those pills and still having to survive that and find this empowerment within yourself that you said enough is enough. And I think everybody has to hit that bottom, so to speak. Um, so when you found yourself in this place to pass the message, so to speak, and you started reading a lot of books and you were meditating, you were visualizing. You know, everybody does all of these things. And then they sit there and they wait and they say, nothing is happening. Why do you think that is? I mean, you're, in, in this day and age, we're so focused on 
social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the way we look, the way we carry ourselves. We judge ourselves from the numbers of followers that we have. Did we all veer off at some point in our lives where now we're focused on the wrong things? Well, here's what happens. And I, you know, I coach and work with a lot of people. And one of the biggest reasons people fail at accomplishing what they're trying to accomplish, and it doesn't matter what they're trying to accomplish, is they have an idea in their head how it's supposed to go and how long it's supposed to take. That idea is not based on anything other than their ego telling them how long it should take. And what's mm-hmm. happening is we are creatures of familiarity and rituals. So we don't like change. Change is inherently bad. So the moment we make a declaration to change, our ego, the part of our mind that wants to keep us, quote, unquote, safe, or its perception of being safe, kicks in and says, okay, you're going to lose 100 pounds. You're going to lose that 100 pounds in six months. You're going to do this, this, and this, and you're going to look this way, and this is how it's going to go. Now, that's not based on anything. That's just based on the perceptions in your head. Mm-hmm. And 99% of the time, those perceptions are wrong. So what happens? You start on the path, and it doesn't go the way you think it's supposed to go. So what happens? You think one of two things. I'm not good enough, or mm-hmm. what I'm doing doesn't work. And then what happens is people quit. So the reality is, you put, most I believe that you have what you need inside of you to accomplish whatever you want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. But you've got to be patient, persistent, and have faith. Most people, they don't meet the expectations they set in their head, which, of course, weren't realistic and they weren't doable, so they're mm-hmm. destined to fail. And, you know, if you look at the most highly successful people in this world, at anything, whether they're athletes, business people, world leaders, whatever they are, what they do differently than every other person is they do small things consistently on a daily basis. You know, the average person is looking for the big aha, the big thing that's going to change their life. It's the little things done consistently that make the changes. It's the little things done consistently that made the changes for you in the wrong way. Right. And you can use how that works, repetition, in the way that you want it to. It's just doing things over and over again. I mean, you see an Olympic athlete, mm-hmm. and you see them getting their gold medal on the podium, you know, on that platform. Right. What we don't mm-hmm. see is all the years of work, right? getting up at the same time of the day, eating the same mm-hmm. food, training the same way, following the same schedule, every single day doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. Right. So really what needs to be done to change is really pretty simple. The reality is that most people won't do that. See, and, and that's that's the thing. I mean, just going back into the issue of weight alone. How many times have mm-hmm. I seen posts about being um, body conscious, but then accepting of who you are and no body shaming and all of these things as if being overweight is okay. Now, I don't want anybody to hate me for this because I know people are going to listen to this show and they're going to be like, Maribel, you're fucked up because how could you say that? My thing is, is that, When I lost weight and I was 120 pounds, I felt absolutely fantastic. 
not just the exterior part, because I'll tell you this, for me, when I lost the weight, when I got serious and I was consistent and I was working out and I was eating right, when I lost the weight, it was almost frightening to step out outside. Oh, my God. People are going to see me now. They're, I can't have fat to cover it up. Do you know what I mean? And it wasn't so much the thin part of me, but it was just me, how people would see me, how people would view me. Okay, and now I'm fat again, and I have not been consistent about losing weight, and I don't feel good about myself. Many things that I used to do, I don't do anymore because I'm overweight. And I don't want to go out and for people to look at me and point at me and all of these things. But then you have the other group that says, oh, but you're fine. You look fine. I like thick girls anyway, which I feel to me is insulting. It's just like I don't care what you like. I care when I go to the doctor and the doctor says your A1C is 6.4. If you don't do something about this, you're going to have serious issues. So that's what I'm thinking about. I'm not thinking about on the level of, well, accept who you are. This is it, you know, and, and, and the things that, that people put, oh, well, you're Latin, and, you know, sometimes that just happens when you're Latin, you just get fat. It's almost as if I'm supposed to just accept the stereotype. Is, is, and when you're in social media and you see things like this, like what do you think to yourself that people just kind of subject and say, this is it, um, there's really nothing else I could do about it. Is that true? Well, you know, we're you know, your subconscious mind is an all-powerful king. So what mm-hmm. do I mean by that? Whatever you give it with purpose and conviction and whatever it focuses on, it'll do its damnedest to make it a reality in your life. However, it has the mentality of a two-year-old. It doesn't distinguish good or bad. There is no good or bad. So let's talk about right. weight. If you've been heavy all your life, that's your norm. And in your subconscious mind, that's normal and that's how you're supposed to be. So Mm -hmm. when you work on losing weight and becoming healthy, you're going against your value and belief system. You're in conflict with what you believe to be true. So you have an Mm -hmm. internal conflict. And so it's going to try and sabotage you to get you to go back to where you were before. We also, you know, speaking specifically of weight, we have it wrong. you look at every weight loss company and every weight loss ad, you show somebody that lost a lot of weight and lost it very quickly. The goal mm-hmm. is not to lose weight. The goal is to get to a healthy weight of whatever that weight is and maintain it. No one ever talks about maintaining weight. They talk about losing weight. Right. It's not about You're right about It's about that. getting to and maintaining a healthy weight. You know, when I created a vision in my head of how I wanted to be, I had this vision that I had a strong, healthy, lean, attractive, youthful body weighing 175 pounds or less that I maintained for the rest of my life. And then I expanded that out. What would I look like? How would I carry myself? How would I dress? What would I think? What would my emotions and feelings be? What would my connection to the universe be? What would I be doing for a living? Where would I live? Mm -hmm. So fast forward... My weight stays between 171 and 174 all the time, and I don't think about it. It's not a worry I have in my life anymore because it is who I am because I made it that way by changing the pictures inside of my head, and that's true for anything. Mm 
change the pictures, you change your outcomes. I like that. It sounds very simple, but then, of course, I start to simple. myself. <laughs> I want it to be simple. Believe me when I tell you. It's like after this interview, I want to go downstairs to my treadmill and, and get on there and start walking again, even if it's for 10 minutes. But, you know, people today, we battle a lot with different types of depression, um, a lot of different types of low self-esteem. How do we overcome that without having to use social media? I see a lot sometimes people tweeting out, how they're depressed they're feeling or their life isn't worth living. And then you get a lot of responses, don't do it, don't do anything, you know, stupid, don't hurt yourself. But is that enough? That's that's your ego speaking. You know, if you're Mm -hmm. posting on social media, oh, my life's terrible and I'm thinking about jumping off a building, you know, Mm That they're not going to do that. I mean, the reality mm-hmm. is, you know, if somebody's in a, a dark place like that in their life, which at one point in my life I was, you don't talk to anybody about it. You just do it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, people are, you know, we live, we live in a very narcissistic world. We live in a world where we're yeah. saying, "Hey, look at me. I'm on social media. I'm, I'm important." Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what's happening is people are using social media as a way of validating themselves as a human being. Can't do that, right? Okay, you are worthy of every single thing that you want in your life for only two reasons. Those reasons are opening your eyes in the morning, and the second reason is taking a breath. Mm-hmm. Getting up and being alive every day makes you worthy of everything you want. When we validate, when we have to use social media or some other form of whatever it is to be noticed, to validate ourselves. I mean, people determine whether the day is good or bad or how they feel about themselves by how many people like their post or how many people make a positive comment, but then they get a negative comment and it sends them in a tailspin. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe it's better not to be in social media. There are certain benefits Mm -hmm. to being in social media. You're seeing it now with all the stuff that's going on in the world right now, all the craziness on social media from conspiracy theories to... um, people just having such diverse political, religious, social views that if you don't agree with them, they hate you. Mm-hmm. That there's mm-hmm. not, yeah, that somebody can't be different than you and still, you can still be friends with them. And so, right. you know, um, you know, sometimes taking a break from social media is not a bad thing. No, it's not. I mean, people are still not going anywhere. They're still going to be there and probably making the same complaint. So let's shift a little bit and let's talk about um, one of the things that I think you the co you co-wrote this book, Discover How Amazing You Are. Um, well, the, the, book is, the, things, the book is called um, Stepping Stones to Success. Yes, Stepping Stones to Success. I apologize. But um, I, we were talking offline about a seminar that I was part of uh, just a few days ago. I believe it was last Friday. And uh, it was the women from Birchbox discussing um, how men in the work world are still viewed as visionaries. 
But yet when women create something new or innovating, they're not looked upon as the same level. You know, like we had, um, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm like, my I, I, mind you know, is completely blank today. I don't know who made a comment like that, but I, that doesn't even compute in my head. So, mm-hmm. you know, I want to know on what basis someone thinks that men think they're greater visionaries than women and they're, mm-hmm. that doesn't even compute in my head. So I don't see things that way. Do you think that it's just because maybe the way she feels about herself as an individual or maybe who she I can't, I, mean, I really can't answer that question. Sure, could mm-hmm. be. It could be somebody that mm-hmm. feels that way. Maybe they, I don't know. I, and I don't know the person. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe they had an experience with a man that was less than positive that would cause them to feel that way, but it doesn't mean that every man thinks that way. Um, right. I know I certainly don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really, I don't know, I really can't answer that. I don't know that person, so. I understand. I mean, I think sometimes I just think about myself and how I view myself. I mean, it seems that once upon a time I viewed myself as this, you know, wonderful, successful person, but that was because I was thin, <laughs> you know. Maybe as a human race, not to tag certain things on ourselves to make ourselves great. Well, I'm thin because I'm great. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm clean and sober, mm-hmm. so that makes me great. What mm-hmm. makes us great? What makes us feel great? Do you see where I'm getting no, at? No, that's easy. The only thing that makes us feel... Understand that every single thing you're saying about yourself is only based on your perception. It's not based mm-hmm. on reality. It's based on... You know, how we feel about ourselves or how we think that people feel about us are, is only based on our perceptions of ourselves. I'm not saying those perceptions are right. I'm not saying they're wrong, but mm-hmm. our perceptions are our reality. You know, if I run you through the same day of your life twice, right? first time you get up in the morning and you feel good and you're happy and you go through your whole day, at the end of the day, have you write a paragraph about your day. Now mm-hmm. I run you through the exact same day. The exact same things happen. Except you get up, you got a headache, you got a really bad attitude, you're cranky. You run through the whole day. I have you write a paragraph. And if I mm. gave those two paragraphs to a person, they would think they were looking at somebody on two different days, or two different people. When mm-hmm. the reality is, it's the exact same things that happened on both days. The only difference was, is your perception to those. So everything's about your perceptions. You know, your perceptions are your reality, period. See, it's really I, pretty simple. My thing is, is that with the, with the whole perception thing, um, I used to work somewhere. I'm not going to say where because it's irrelevant, but um, it, it was in an office environment. And I, when I first got there, everything was wonderful, hunky-dory, And then as time went on, I don't know if I changed, I don't know if somebody else changed, but that word perception came up a lot, like the perception of that I didn't care or I didn't put in 100%. I mean, is that real? Will people look at you and see a shift or change and feel like you don't care 
about what it is that you're doing, especially like in a work environment. And then no matter well, what it is, what you do, they're already stuck on what they saw before and they don't see any positive changes? Well, they're seeing things from their perspective. Right. Aren't they? And mm-hmm. um, when you change in any direction, whether it's a positive direction, a negative direction, people notice a difference. You know, if you go through your day with the perception that you're happy and joyful, what kind of energy do you think you're sending out to the rest of the world? Good mm-hmm. energy. And what do you think right. you attract? Good energy. If mm-hmm. you are sending out a message that you're unhappy, you're miserable, that you're angry or whatever it is, what do you think you're attracting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have Same. a device built into your mind. Neuroscientists call it the reticular activating system. And basically it's this. You take in millions and millions and millions of bits of information every second of every day mm-hmm. through your five senses, your eyes, your ears, smell, taste, and sense of feeling. Most of, the, most of what we take in, the biggest one is your sense of sight. We are sight creatures. Mm-hmm. So you take in millions and millions and millions of bits of information every second of every day. However, you can only mm-hmm. consciously process, I'm being generous now, a thousand a minute. So right. millions a second, a thousand a minute. So your mind has to delete almost all that information you take in. What do you keep? You keep things based on your value and belief system and your perceptions. Mm-hmm. So you become consciously aware of those things that fit into your value and belief system, and then you process them, and then you send them back out into the world. So depending on what you're focused on, if you're focused on the negative things in life, you will notice more of the things that validate that that's true. And if you are focused on the things that are going to help you get somewhere or you want to do something or you want to accomplish something and you're happy and joyous and healthy, whatever it is, it's going to give you plenty of – it's going to focus on evidence that allows you to see that to be true also in your head. Both of them mm-hmm. are right. Both of them are wrong. They're just mm-hmm. perceptions. Everything right. is perception, period. You know, it's like do you ever think about a movie that you hadn't seen in a long time and all of a sudden, boom, it just pops up on your TV. Why does yes. that happen? <laughs> so, so everything is perception. You know, how people perceive you. First of all, how people perceive you is immaterial. It's how you think they're mm-hmm. perceiving you is what's affecting you. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is, I, I will agree with you on that. That is true because I'm an expert on doing that to myself. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. And I, it's just incredible. Yeah, I think I have to sit on that one for a little while. But, okay, so one one of the things that, that I've been discussing a lot on my show on Unfiltered um, has been about relationships. Um, and you're mm-hmm. talking about attracting uh, your attitude and how you perceive things and what you put out there. And I think to myself, you know, I was in this really horrible relationship. And, I mean, honestly speaking, I'm having trouble forgiving myself for lowering my standards and then being with somebody for as long as I was with um, Mm -hmm. that I knew wasn't going to work out. And uh, they're not here anymore, thank goodness. But um, I have a tendency of using my show and, and throwing jabs and things of that nature. But I still ask myself, why didn't I 
see the signs sooner. Like I think about it now, certain conversations. What's the point of doing that? Why would you, what's the point of, what's the purpose of doing that? Because I don't want to what make the do? same mistake again. But it sounds like you're, it sounds like you're beating yourself up. I, well, I am. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's what I'm saying is what's the point of doing that? It can, you can't change what happened, can you? No. Okay. So what's the point? Right. The past is in the past and that's where it belongs. Mm-hmm. It doesn't belong anywhere else. It doesn't belong in your present. Belongs in your past. What you focus on is what you're going to get. So if you're focused on all the negative things about your relationship, what do you think you're going to end up having happening again? Why don't you focus on what you want? True. <laughs> but it's just like, I mean, I yeah, think Because right now, you, based on what you're saying, you're focused on everything you don't want, and that's what you're going to get. Right. So it's true what they say about the universe, that if you put out certain things, is that what you're going to get in return? Because... Sometimes I believe that, sometimes I don't. And I think at the end of the day, it is about your internal self and being better. Not being better for other people, but just being better as a whole so that you can feel good about yourself. Is that not right? Well, you need to to find what better is for you. You Mm -hmm. I, I work with a lot of people, and one of the things I get is, well, I want to be happy. I go, well, what's happy? I don't know. Well, then how are you going to know you're happy when you get there if you haven't defined what happy is? Right. So it, it's, it's very important for you, to, you know, to define what you want and then to focus on what you want and, and forget about all the other crap. Mm-hmm. You make it so simple. <laughs> well, how hard I mean, is I, it, right? I, <laughs> I mean, you got, in, you got into hypnotherapy. I mean, is that something that really, really helps? people? Is it something that really makes a difference in their life? Because look, I used to be a smoker. And one day I got tired of it. I smoked the last cigarette. And the next day, I didn't smoke anymore. And after that, I didn't smoke. And right. people look at me and I get boggled their mind. How did you stop? Did you go through any withdrawal? Like, how did you do it? it was, it's like an amazing miracle. I was like, well, I just stopped. Like I didn't buy a new pack mm-hmm. the next day. And that mm-hmm. for some people is amazing. And for me, it was just like, well, I was just tired of it. Mm-hmm. So does it just, you know, why is it Hypnosis that some people is, just need you know, all more, takes I place in the subconscious, All change mm-hmm. takes place in the subconscious mind. Most people are trying to make conscious changes. You know, they go to the gym on January 1st and say, I'm going to get in the best shape of my life. And then two weeks later, mm-hmm. they're done. They're, they're not doing right. it anymore. Mm-hmm. So... Hypnosis is an extremely powerful tool for opening that doorway up into your subconscious mind and changing the pictures inside of your head. You know, your subconscious mind sees in pictures. It's the core and the base of all your values and beliefs, and that's the place you got to make change. So, um, it's you know, it, it's probably one of the single most powerful tools you can use if it's used correctly to make change. Can anyone do it by just buying a book and not have real assistance with it? Do you highly suggest not to do it alone the first time? Maybe do have assistance like someone like yourself who is an expert and that can help Um, you guide into this type of therapy? A hypnotic hypnotic state is not a magical, mystical thing. Something, Mm -hmm. it's a natural state of mind. You're in and out of a hypnotic state all day long. 
whether you know it or not. For example, when you drive your car, or well, most people can drive their cars to and from work every day, and a lot of times they have no recollection of driving their car and how they got there. They were someplace right. else, but yet they didn't mm-hmm. hit anything. They stopped at every traffic light. How did they do that? They're mm-hmm. on autopilot. It's a hypnotic state. Now think about it. When you first learned how to drive a car, you got in the car when you were 16 years old. You had to think about where you put your hands. You had to think about which was the gas and which was the brake. You had to think about checking your mirrors. Right. Fast forward. You get in a car now. Do you think about driving? No. You get in the car and you drive, and everything right. is perfectly coordinated. Your hands, your feet, mm-hmm. everything. How mm-hmm. did you do that? It's on autopilot. So almost every 85 to 90% of what you do, you do at a subconscious level, not at a conscious level. And so a hypnotic state is very powerful. Um, I guess you could probably learn it from a book. I started learning from a book. You know, it's probably better to learn from somebody that knows what they're doing. Inducing hypnotic state is not very hard. What's mm-hmm. important is what you do with it when you get there. And most, including most hypnotists, I don't think they do a very good job of that. They, um, they don't use the complete capabilities of the mind in engaging a person's mind in the way that person needs to engage their mind. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that makes sense, but you know how yes. you have to experience something is not the same way I'm going to experience something. Mm-hmm. So what's on? What's on now? Now for a little bit more personal um, as we near towards the end. What's in Scott Schmarin's future? What do you see yourself doing in the next couple of years? I mean, especially like with COVID going on and and everyone losing their minds. What's on Scott's Um, mind? You know, I I see myself continuing to do what I do. I'll probably write a book. I have a, you know, I wanted to continue to do the seminars I've been doing. I like, you know, I, I'm engaged in helping people. So mm-hmm. whether it's in the media or in seminars or working with people one-on-one, that's really the place I'm at. Well, that's great. I love that. Keep doing it. We need more people like you. We need people that are inspirational. I feel a lot of the times, and this is just me, that, we don't pay attention enough to the positive roads or even positive people that can help us to be better people. I think I'm, I'm with you on that. I do agree that we all have the ability to be better if we put our minds to it, especially our subconscious mind that seems to talk to me more <laughs> than mm-hmm. my mind does. Um, and I think you're right about social media. I, I remember a friend of mine back in the MySpace days. She lived on MySpace. She thought all of her friends were on MySpace. And she couldn't do anything without it. It was it was weird. I think it was my first times of really noticing that there was a person on this platform that lived on this platform. And in the times of technology, in in how we live today, is it all the more important that we monitor ourselves into honoring who we are as a human being and not living our lives through social media? Yes, no? (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, social media is a tool. If it's used correctly, it can be productive for a lot of things. But if your whole life is lived through social media and you, you validate your life through social media, then it becomes, I guess it's probably no different than becoming a heroin addict. Ooh, and that's a scary, scary thought. Never tried it. <laughs> Stayed away from people who did. It was, that was really scary. But, you know, Scott, mm-hmm. I want to thank you for your time. I do appreciate everything that you've shared with us, you know, for my show, Unfiltered, that this will air on Saturday. And um, if there's anything else that I left out, uh, you're free to bring that up. If there's any social media, even though we were just talking about that, you'd like to share, um, you you can share that now. Yeah. Well, people can get a hold of me uh, a couple of ways if they want to get a hold of me through social media. It's under my name, Scott Schmarin, which is S-C-H-M as in Mary, A-R-E-N as in Nancy, on any platform. Or if they want to email me, they can. It's my first and last name, so it's S-C-O-T-T-S-C-H-M like Mary, A-R-E-N like Nancy at gmail.com. Or if they want to call me, 847 847- Three three one five eight four eight. Well, again, thank you. I'm going to note all of this on the blogtalkradio.com forward slash KEM Pop Talk. All of your information will be on there so that people can get a hold of you. And I thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it. That was Scott Schmarin, and he is so many things. I mean, he he has a degree in business management from Canterbury University. He is the MAHC Hypnotist of the Year, among many other things. He has appeared on Oprah. He has appeared on Howard Stern, The Daily Mail, Um There's just so many great things about Scott, and I really enjoyed him taking his time out and being on this episode of Unfiltered. This is Maribel Blue signing off. Thank you again for listening. And as always, keep it to yourself, keep it to each other, and take care of you. Thanks, everyone. Bye.